And uh, Proverbs chapter 19, we're speeding up the process of going through Proverbs. Um, I have gone through this book over the last uh, probably 20 years. I've gone through it probably at least three times. I can still remember the first time I was so thrilled going through it that um, I was, it was like a treasure box had opened up and I was getting to observe all the jewels that I really knew were there, but I hadn't really taken the time to examine and lift up and look at. And so I still feel the same way about the book of Proverbs, wisdom. I, I love the aspect of wisdom. I love the thought that every one of you in this building, without exception, who knows Christ, has the means uh, to wisdom and um, the ability to receive God's wisdom and to be wise in this world with people in this world that don't know Christ, that, that uh, their heads are somewhere else. You and I can be the stabilizers, the salt, the light, the wisdom to a lost and dying world. And uh, years and years ago, I said on many occasions, I said, the truth of the matter is, if society keeps getting worse, as it uh, appeared to be even 10, 15 years ago, and more and more people got into uh, things like drugs, alcohol, other things that the workforce in America was going to be so dumbed down that all Christians could be supervisors, all right? Because we wouldn't have or demonstrate those problems and we would have stability and the wisdom to supervise. But thank God, um, there's still a lot of good people that don't know Christ yet, that uh, have some problems, but uh, God's helping them. You pray for them. We're believing, God, that this church is going to continue to see a harvest of souls, even in the midst of COVID and uh, all that it means. Amen? Um, the good news is this. They say the death rate is going down for this virus. There are more people that may be uh, contracting it, but contacting it, uh, well, I'll get it right in a minute. But um, still, we've had several people that I'm acquainted with in the church, outside, a little bit outside the church, that have gotten it, got over it uh, quickly, uh, most with mild symptoms, some no symptoms. So we're rejoicing over that. So pray with me. I've started praying, binding the devil from this place and uh, every plan, every scheme, every attack, whether it's a virus or something else, to be cast down under our feet. Amen? So praise God forever. And uh, let me say this in relationship to last weekend. Activate your faith. Activate your faith. Activate your faith. Let it start growing. Get into the Word. We ask you to spend at least 15 minutes in the Word. So I encourage you. Maybe you weren't here. Maybe you haven't started yet. 
do it tonight before you go to bed. How many of you can find 15 minutes tonight before you go to bed if you haven't done so already reading the Word? Uh, we get paid to come in the morning and read the Word and pray, and uh, we've been doing that for a long time. All right, I'm going to get into this. Okay, uh, Proverbs chapter 19. I'm going to go all the way to the end of it. Guys, you don't have to get it there, but let me just say, here is what we're going to be covering in Proverbs chapter 19. Uh, don't lie. Don't be lazy. Don't be poor. Seek wisdom and counsel. All right? And when I started looking at this and realizing it, had, uh, he had some thoughts on wealth. Um, I know a lot of people have lost their job, but this is not the end of the story. All right? God wants to bless your life. God's going to turn around. Even if you've lost a job, God's going to turn it around. This may be the opportunity for a new open door that he has for you. Uh, if you are barely surviving on what you make, God has a bigger paycheck for you. And uh, it's not just to spend on yourself but it's to be able to give something when the missionary comes, all right? So that's what it's for. It's not to accumulate, 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 accumulate. No, it's to give, 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 all right? And uh, God help us to do that. Father, bless your word. It already is blessed. Thank you for blessing the ears that hear it and the souls that receive it. God Open their eyes to any understanding they may not have. In Jesus' name, amen. The ability to listen. And that is really the essence of Proverbs. It is the ability, ability to listen to wisdom as Solomon is teaching these students about the future and their part in it. So, all of you, there's a future ahead of us. God has a plan for us in that future. So, the ability to listen to instruction is a prerequisite to the ability to give instruction. In other words, uh, if you're not someone who is teachable, you have no business teaching. I said, if you are not teachable, you have no business teaching. Uh, and even if your gift, uh, your motive gift is serving or teaching, I'll just say teaching. Uh, years ago, um, I haven't gone through the gifts and uh, on the motive gifts lately, but uh, back then, years ago, we were talking about them and um, we had a work day and so I asked this lady if she would do something. She said, serving is not my gift. Teaching is my gift. And I'm like, uh, your gift is you have a problem, all right? So uh, you don't understand the kingdom of God. Really, that may be your motive gift or your main gift, teaching, but we as believers do what's necessary or needed at the time of the need. So what I needed her to do was pick up that water hose 
And uh, I was as gracious and kind as I could be. But when she said that, I'm like, okay, all right. Uh, I don't really want you teaching, all right? So anyway, um, a good lady, wonderful lady. She just had some growing up to do. Um, she was doing something in our church and at one point, and she was going to be stepping down. And she felt like she should choose her uh, successor. And I'm like, um, no, I'm, I'm going to choose that person. And I still remember, um, she was sitting in front of my desk. And I, I really felt like God had said this other person. And when I told her, she had a tissue in her hand. She threw it at me. Um, it didn't hit me. I dodged. But uh, it, no, it didn't have much power to it. But if it had been a rock, uh, I'm, I'm sure that it would have gone all the way across my desk. But at that point, I just thought, this is a good lady. I love her. She's got a ways to go in the kingdom of God. She had a need to listen and to submit to authority. Okay, but this is going to be talking about, I'm going to talk some about handling wealth. Why? Because the Bible talks about it, all right? To become good stewards of all the material things that God has given us is by first respecting both what it takes to gain wealth and how difficult it is to use it wisely. If you and I don't treat other people's things in a respectful way. In other words, how many of you have ever rented a car? All right. How many of you treated that rental car as if it were your own car? Oh, a few more less hands there going up. This is the right crowd. All right. So, uh, drove the car, the rental car. Hey, it's rented. I paid for it. I can abuse it if a little bit if I want to. No. The way we treat other people's stuff reflects on our character. And so, even if it's a rental car, we're going to treat it good because we are Christians, we are believers, and that's what we do. We don't mistreat or abuse somebody else's stuff. No, we don't want them to do the same to us. How many of you know there's such a thing as reaping and sowing? I want to I want to sow good so I can reap good. Say amen, all right? So uh, we treat other people's stuff good. We treat God's house good. Uh, well, we're all God's house. But, uh, you know, when I was leaving the property the other day, I saw two or three, it looked like uh, Coke uh, plastic things thrown on the pavement. Um, I'm still looking for that person. Um how could anybody possibly do that? That's beyond my comprehension. That somebody has a Coke bottle or plastic thing and throws it in the parking lot next to their car. I feel guilty even pouring my coffee on the pavement, all right? If I've got a little bit left over, it's gotten cold. All right, handling wealth. We're going to give you some scripture. Listen to them. Proverbs 19 
Let's start. Verse 4. Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his friend. Uh, wealth can be something that draws. Now, you and I have to be very careful with that as believers, but it is true. Wealth makes many friends. Number six, verse six, many entreat the favor of the nobility, and every man is a friend to one who gives gifts. Of course, if someone is a giver of gifts, um, every man is a friend to that person. And so, if you ever rise to a place of prominence in your life, make sure that you don't take advantage of it because people are drawn to people of prominence. Now, verse 7, all the brothers of the poor hate him. When I read this, I'm like, Solomon, what are you saying here? All the brothers of the poor hate him. Now listen, uh, first of all, I hope that no matter what your bank account says, that you don't call yourself poor. I hope you don't say, yeah, I'm just as poor as poor can be. Don't go there. Let the, let the poor say, I am what? The Bible says, rich. Let the weak say, I am what? Strong. So say things with your mouth that line up with God's word and doesn't line up maybe even presently with your reality. So don't say, yeah, I'm just poor. I'm, I'm always going to be poor. Somebody says that around you, you need to slap them, all right? Just spiritually, I mean, not physically. Spiritually, slap them. You need to look at them and say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What did you just say? I said, I'm going to be poor all my life. Don't you dare say that. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. That is a mentality of poverty. No, I don't believe in this get rich, you know, get, come into the kingdom so you can get rich. No, that's not the focus. But certainly is not the focus of I'm going to be poor the rest of my life. God wants to bless you so you can give to missionaries, so that you can give to back to school project, so you can give to somebody who is in need, a family member. But look at verse 7 again. All the brothers of the poor hate him. This implies someone who has settled in to a condition of poverty. And if someone has settled in to that condition and their focus now in life is not to find work, not to do something that is going to better their life, but their focus is somebody help me, somebody help me. Now, it's different if somebody can't work. That's a different story. But if it's somebody that they're looking to take, hey, will you help me? Will you help me? Then it's like, you know, if that's your brother, every time the phone rings nearly, they're going to be asking for help. The insinuation here is this brother has outlived uh, his welcome and all he does is ask for help instead of looking 
for ways they or he can be a blessing. So his family even starts saying, nope, I've helped you, I've helped you, I've helped you. Uh, you've got to help yourself. You've got to get up, find you a job. You've got to do what's right, and God will help you. Now, so his brothers turn against him. How much more do his friends go far from him? Then it says, he may pursue them, yet they will abandon him. Then in verse 10, luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a servant to rule over princes. And then in verse 15, here it is. Laziness, cast one into a deep sleep. Laziness, cast one into a deep sleep. Folks, if you are able to work and you do not, um, I challenge you tonight to let the Spirit quicken you, challenge you that God has got something for you. God wants to use you. God wants you to be a blessing in the kingdom. God does not want you to spend the rest of your life barely getting by, struggling every paycheck and worrying every week or every month about the bills. God have mercy. So be praying, all right? If that's you, say, God, I got to get out of this. God, I know you got something better for me. God, you're my mighty God. You're Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. When I was in Bible college, I found out about that word name of God, Jehovah Jireh. And it says, God, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. So I wrote it on a piece of paper, big letters, put it over my bed where I could see it every day when uh, I went to bed, every day when I was in the room, in that dorm room, God is my provider. Did I need a provider then? Yes. I went to Bible college with like one or two pairs of pants. That was it. We were poor. My mother gave me $50 on the way out uh, to get in the car to drive to college. We were poor. And when I said yes to the call of God on my life, when I finally said, all right, God, I'll be a preacher, I only knew poor preachers. They were all poor where I grew up. And that I'd been poor all my life. I didn't want to be poor any longer. And so I, when I said yes to God, I'm like, God, okay, I'll be poor the rest of my life. I'll be a preacher for you. I know that means I'm going to be poor. And, uh, but I've been poor all my life anyway. I can just keep going. Look, when God began and his word began to reprove me, rebuke me, and when, I've told this before, but at the end of the first semester, when I was there, they called me into the office and they said, how are you going to pay this bill? I said, I don't know. I'm poor. And when they said, well, how poor are you? Now, that's not exactly how the conversation went, but I, that's the essence of it. Well, how poor are you? Well, we're pretty poor. And they said, well, here, take these papers. And I filled them out based on my, my, what my dad, a farmer, made. And they got them back. 
They were like, sure enough, you're pretty poor. And so we're going to loan you some money, and we're going to give you some. Now, I wasn't used to people giving me money. That was my first ever time, our government in Washington giving me money because I was so poor. Um, the truth of the matter is I could have made it through college. I did work uh, at one point 40 hours a week, and uh, I could have kept doing that to make it through. But I discovered when they gave me half my money, I'm like, you know, this being poor stuff, not all that bad. I'm like, they just gave me money for nothing. I didn't even have to get up and go to work. They gave me money. And uh, folks, I kind of like that. And then at some point, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I spoke in a poverty mentality. And at some point, God began to deal with my heart. Do not go that route. Absolutely not. Don't confess poverty over your life. Don't poor mouth. That's what we used to call it. Don't poor mouth. And don't get into the trap. Somebody, somebody, somebody help me. Government, oh, 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 help me, help me. Because, no. I mean, if somebody can't work and they're disabled and it's impossible, then let's help them. But if somebody, Paul says, you can work, you should work. Absolutely. So I'm challenging you tonight. I'm not just talking about Wednesday night, whatever date it is. 22nd? Uh, I'm not just talking about today. I'm talking about your future. I don't want you to get stuck where you are. I want you to have a great future. God wants you to have a great future. All right? So uh, then in 17, all of a sudden it changes gears. And... Uh, because you're not lazy, because you do work hard, because you listen to God, you listen to instruction, all of a sudden, more is coming into your life, more wealth, more material things. And then it says in verse 17, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay you back what has been given. Now, everybody every once in a while needs help. I'm not talking about the fact that period. There have been times in my life I needed help, somebody to come along and assist. Uh, when we, Alice got pregnant with our second child, I hadn't even paid the first one off, oh, barely. And, uh, you know, I made payments. And then I'm like, I had just gotten a little raise. I was a youth pastor. I'd just gotten a little raise. And then of all the things, she comes to tell me she's pregnant. I'm like, I just paid the other one off. I just got a raise and I had plans for that money. So she, at night, she lay in bed, worried about the fact that she was going to have an 18-month-old or a 19-month-old and a brand-new baby. How am I going to do this, God? How am I going to do this? I'm over there. How am I going to pay for this? How am I going to pay for this? And money can influence you, and yet, all of a sudden, you know, and so, you know, I'm like, church should give me more money. Church should help me. Somebody help me. And you know what happened? The church didn't give me any more money. <laughs> I was like, 
They are not saying anything to me. Nobody, the pastor, just me and the pastor, he's not mentioned anything. And one day I'm like, God, God, why doesn't this church do something? Why doesn't this church do something? And God said, I don't need this church to do something. I don't need it to do something. I can use anybody I want. And all of a sudden, someone from another city sends me $500. Good grief. Back then, babies were so cheap, it almost half paid him off. And so, uh, you know, and so I'm like, dear God, you use somebody else. My focus was on the church, and God was saying, your focus should have been on me. Not on the church, but your focus should have been on me. So don't ever get your focus on the government. Get it on him. Get it on him. Get it on him. Get it on him. Because he can do things that you cannot do. And you're expecting it here, and you're disappointed, just like I was. And God has already lined up somebody else to surprise you. All right, so... Be surprised for heaven's sakes. It's so much fun. I got to tell this. I shouldn't. But anyway, uh, we're at a family gathering. Uh, uh, we're at a family gathering. Her grandmother is there. <laughs> uh, and um, so we're talking about what babies cost to have. And so, you know, I think I said, yeah, we paid like $1,200. What a deal. And, uh, you know, it's all it costs. Uh, so her grandmother says Jimmy was her youngest son, and Jimmy was Jimmy. He was her little, he was something else. And uh, so she says, yeah, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy only cost me $30. I, I don't know. I think I, I can't blame it on God. Uh, it may have been the devil provoked me. All right, so at that moment, I said, well, you get what you pay for And there was, after it came out of my mouth, you ever said something, you're like, dear God, where's he? And I think Alice said, Carl. Now, it kind of was funny, though. And so, uh, because it kind of was true. <laughs> and so, should have paid a little more for him. All right, so anyway. Um, so, uh, let me go to my next notes. What do prudent people, prudent, what do prudent people do? All right, prudent means to act with or showing care and thought for the future. If you are prudent, and God wants you to be prudent, acting with and showing care for and thought, showing care and thought for the future. And I want to challenge you right now, okay? Uh, some of you are at the place where you have done this well, but I want to encourage you. Do you know that, that uh, saving up for the, your senior years is scriptural? You know that, don't you? So, and I know some of you are saying like right now, okay, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm barely making it by. They want me to tithe. Uh, dear God, that leaves me 90%. Now he wants me to save for my retirement. Oh, my Lord. I've got Social Security for that. Oh, no. Uh, you cannot depend on Social Security for that. All right? Um, you will need help if you're living, if, unless you've really managed well and done some things, other things right. But I want to encourage you, even if it's a small amount, 
Start laying some aside, putting it in investments or whatever to save for your retirement. You know why? Because when you retire one day, and it's going to get there quicker than you can imagine, when you retire one day, I want you to still be able to give them something. When you're here and you're 80 years old and the missionary comes through, I want you to be able to give them something. All right. I know that's way out there, all right? But at the same time, we have to think about the future because we're prudent. Now, we also know this. Pastor, what if I, what if I save up or give, save up for the retirement and Jesus comes? And all that money, it's not going to matter then, all right? So you're not going to get to heaven and walk through the pearly gates and you're like, but I have money down there. And you're, you're not going to care about that, all right? Okay, so there's no way that we can always be right about everything, but God gives us wisdom, all right? God gives us wisdom to save money, to spend money wisely, to make the best of situations. Uh, you know, uh, I, I just looked at my insurance. My insurance went up, called them, said, hey, let's cut this down, let's cut this down. And the insurance went down. You're, you should always be looking uh, to do things that are going to be prudent and wise uh, because what we do today is going to affect tomorrow, affect tomorrow. And what we do today is not just going to affect potentially tomorrow, but 10 years from now, all right? So we do what is prudent. We give thought and care for the future. And if Jesus comes, how much better? How much better? So we are to live, we are to live as if Jesus would come. It's time to go, not to heaven, but it's time, uh, it's time to go to heaven too. But we are to live as if Jesus would come right now. We are to plan as if he's not coming for a long time. There's nothing wrong with planning for the future in case he doesn't. See, there's a lot of preachers that back in the 30s and 40s, they were gung-ho for God. Jesus is coming any moment, and now they're retired, and they have no resources, and they struggle. And um, God had a better plan. Live as if he were coming tonight, Wednesday night. It's nine. Is it nine? No, eight. It's 8.37 or so. Live as if he would come at by 9.30. You need to clear up anything in the next couple minutes? If, that's okay. If you're on, watching online and you're, you need to clear up anything, Jesus could come in three minutes. So we'll just, you know, like we wait for that pause on the giving, we'll just pause to clear up some things, all right? So um, just in case Jesus comes, because we want to live like he could come by 9 or by 8.30, by 8.30. We want to plan and take what I've said tonight, we want to plan as if he may not come for 40 years. Because a thousand years is as one day to the Lord, and one day is a thousand years. So 40 years is nothing. It will pass quickly. Let me give you these three major themes in Proverbs that describe how wealth is made. Number one on the list, hard work. 
Uh, was there an amen? I don't, I don't think I heard one. All right, so three major things in Proverbs, how wealth is made. Play the lottery. No. Uh, there, you know there is a lottery's curse? You, you've heard that, right? The lottery winner's curse. Um, and some of you still want to win. <laughs> Someone came to me when we were talking about building this church. We were raising money. And they said, Pastor, why don't we have people invest in lottery tickets? And uh, it's up to several million dollars. And we could, you know, possibly the more that play it, the more chance we have of winning. I'm like, that is the dumbest idea. <laughs> I didn't tell them. But <laughs> so instead of giving your offering this morning to the building fund, go buy the lottery ticket. I said to them, if we did that and someone wins and they give it all, they give it all to the church, we will be forever known as the church that the lottery built. Not God, but the lottery. And as it is, God gets all the glory, see? And uh, all the glory. Now, number one, hard work. Hard work. Hard work. Not lazy work. Hard work. Going the second mile. Even when you're mistreated. Yeah, you forgive them and go on. And keep going. Don't slack up. Just because, hey, well, everybody else is slacking up. You don't slack up. I had a pastor call me, a youth pastor, call me one time, and he said, I'm in a church. Nobody works around here. Pastor goes off all the time. We don't have meetings. I said, don't sink to that level. Don't dare do it. You show up. You hold office hours. You spend time in prayer. You don't let them affect you. You affect them. Hard work. Number two, divine grace or favor. It's always God's goodness. Why do you think Chick-fil-A sells so much chicken? They started out on super Christian principles. They may be moving. I, I hope they're not. But, I mean, God blessed that chicken place, didn't he? Try to go and buy chicken in the middle of the day. Dear Lord, have mercy. Uh, it's unbelievable. And so, divine grace, divine favor. Number three, righteous behavior. Righteous behavior. It's so sad. J.C. Penney, oh no, they're about bankrupt. Their founder was a born-again believer who loved God with all of his heart. And then he passed away. And the righteousness of the beginning began to slip and slip and slip and slip and fall. Days in, same thing. Woolworth, I believe the same thing. All kinds of businesses in America started out in righteousness and they fell away because of no righteous acts continuing. Hard work, probably so, but no righteousness. No holding a standard and lifting up and giving God the praise. That's what we're going to do. Individually, that's what we're going to do. We're going to live righteous, we're going to work hard, and we're going to give God all the glory, all the glory. Amen. Praise God. Those of you online, God bless each and every one of you in here. Would you bow your heads with us, please? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. You have a future. 
or us all a future and plans to bless us and do us good. Lord, not to accumulate, but Lord, to spread, to share, to give, to be a generous giver. Lord, I pray that there are those in this building tonight that right now are struggling. And God, you would put a picture and a vision in their minds that, Lord, at one point they're going to reach through hard work and giving you the glory. Lord, they're going to reach a place where they're a generous giver. God, may it be so. And may they walk in the faith of that in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, touch every person listening, watching this service that may not know you as Lord and Savior. I pray, O oh Lord God, that anyone in this building that's not right with you would turn to you with all their heart. Lord, I, I pray for that youth service going on right now. I pray, God, that any young man in those young years of life, any young lady, God, you would touch them and they would be drawn to a place of repentance and the same throughout this campus with the boys, the girls. Holy Spirit of God, bring conviction and awareness of our need of you. In Jesus' name, all every head is bowed, please. And if you're in this auditorium or you're watching online and you need Christ, I want you to quickly right now just respond. I know that I can't see those of you online, but God sees you. And acknowledge to him right now that you're open. You need him. You want Christ to change your life. You know, when you hear of a 13-year-old child that kills four people, you know, a human nature is to say, how in the world? And yet the truth of the matter is, there go all of us, but by the grace of God. So thank God for God. Thank God for parents. In this case, thank God for missionaries that are going. But if you need Christ, why don't you just, in this building, if you need Christ, why don't you just raise your hand? Let me see it quickly. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anybody else in this building? Anyone else? Stand with us, please. And as always, even before I go into an altar invitation, if you raise your hand, here's what I want you to do. Um, we're going to pray. Those online, you pray with us. But let me just ask you, as I pray for you, why don't you do something? Why don't you pray? First of all, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. Jesus, you died for me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, come into my life. That's exactly what you need to pray. So I'm going to pray for you. And if you're, you raise your hand, two or three over here, I want you to respond. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, Lord, as I pray for these in this building that raise their hand, and I pray for any online, God, that may be convicted in their own lives, God, I pray they would surrender to your will. 
in the name of Jesus. They would ask forgiveness of their sins. May they turn to you with all their heart, soul, and mind and strength. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, for those of you that raised your hand over here, here online, right behind me, the screen, text this, saved, S-A-V-E-D, saved, to 407-275-8790, our longtime phone number. Uh, text saved to that number. Just take your phone. So simple. And they'll respond to you. They're not going to... Uh, inundate your phone with messages, but they will, they will send you something right away and help you start on a journey that is to a glorious place called heaven. So do that. These altars are open. And so let me say to you, those of you that, you know, um, I don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable, but there's plenty of space down here. There's a 120 feet probably from one side of this auditorium so there's a lot of people that can get in a space of 100 feet so you feel free to come and, and uh, find a place at this altar if you haven't spent time in prayer today in just a moment why don't you just sit and spend the next few minutes in prayer pray for those needs that are on your heart and go home tonight if you haven't done so today Spend that 15 minutes. Carve it out. It'll help you sleep better. All right? So do that. But these altars are open. Pastor Charlie, lead us in a chorus. And you feel free. If you, need, uh, you desire to come to this altar, come. Uh, you need prayer for anything. Come to this altar. These altars are open for you. We'll pray with you. And uh, if not, God bless you. I know those new members, you need to slip out. We're not going to formally dismiss. You can slip out whenever you like. God bless you. But these altars are open. A victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, What the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good